Mr. Lee Townsend. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Ben. How are you? I'm not too bad. So I've had quite a few people on. And the first thing I do say to them is that you're lucky in that, I guess, you don't have a proper job in the weirdest way. Yeah, that's kind of been, <laughs> it's always been my my thing that I say to people yeah. when they say, oh, what do you do for a living? Or if they ask me that, like when I meet somebody or if they come up to me at the end of the gig, at the end of a gig and say, oh, you're like so lucky doing this. Like, have you got a job as well? And I always say like my life goal has been yeah. how not to have to have a real job. <laughs> Unless people are subscribed to your YouTube channel, which you should be, you live on the south coast of Spain, don't you? I do. I do, yeah, in the sun. And is it sun literally all year round or, or is it like normal sun? Then in the summer, it obviously goes into... No, actually, today it's kind of grey. Okay. Today it's kind of grey. It's, um, it's yeah, a lot colder than it has been. The last couple of weeks have been really hot. Yeah, yeah. But um, generally speaking, between between mid-May, around about now, yeah. until September, it's just hot all the time. Yeah. And then when septem- September comes around, it dips a little bit. And then usually around Christmas, it's really hot again. And then we get rain, like, maybe between january and april yeah. but not every day we they reckon that we get 300 days of sun a year yeah so it's like mostly dry lucky you 300 days of sun that'd be nice i've got quite a few friends who are traveling right now okay they're in bali and all those nice hot places in thailand it's all right for them isn't it so i'm i'm slightly jealous though i can't really complain because i had three months of 32 degrees of last year so i can't quite complain even though during july and august last year it was like 40 degrees back home when you went to camp america right i did that was florida yeah where it was literally 32 degrees on the daily amazing like you wake up 32 degrees and what i wasn't quite prepared for was just how muggy it was you just feel the heat yeah you don't have in the uk i, I can't quite remember from the last time i was in spain because that was about 2008 when i last went to the spain just had the constant feel the heat and that it just didn't go it could be like midnight and you'd just still it would be like obviously cooler than it was during the day you could still easily just be walking around in a you know in shorts and a t-shirt or or a swimming costume it's definitely like that in the summer here yeah uh in that yeah it just never it never lets up really and you can you can be like you say you can be in shorts t-shirts and flip-flops yeah, yeah. all yeah. like into the night and stuff as well um i think florida and, and where i am have got kind of similar climates yeah, I think they are they are very similar in terms of the temperature doesn't really change though though it can literally just and it's like pummeling it down with rain. Yeah, yeah. So when people call it the call it the sunshine state, I think that is just a marketing ploy. They all have them. They all have them. Absolutely. So you are, for all the intents and purposes, a professional musician. Um, and so I guess the first thing I want to say is where did it all begin? What was the first thing that inspired you or how did it all happen? I suppose I've got I've got my dad to thank for most of it because he has been in bands since before I was born, always cover bands and stuff. Um, so I grew up watching him play live and obviously uh, only in pubs and clubs and stuff like that, nothing, nothing too big, but I just always had that gravitational pull towards music um also no uh, no discredit to my mum because she was the one who took me to the gigs obviously my dad was working so my mum but it thanks to her I actually got to go and watch my dad's band um so there was always guitars lying around the house 
Um, and yeah, I, it was inevitable that I'd pick one up eventually, I suppose. Um, and just, yeah, really loved Oasis and Stereophonics and Crowded House and all that kind of music. So um, sort of there was a pull towards that music, a pull towards me learning how to sing and accompany myself on the guitar. Well, what age were you at that stage? I was nine when I first picked the guitar up. It was when um, when the, the Oasis album Be Here Now came out. That was like the week that I started to play because, um, yeah, I was a big Oasis fan and it was the first time, it was the first time that I anticipated an Oasis album being released because I became a fan after What's the Story, Morning Glory. So those two albums were already out when I discovered them. Yeah. Yeah. So then it was like, right, there's a new album coming and there was loads of buzz around it. And obviously they were the biggest band on the planet at the time, weren't they? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just, yeah, that was 97, that would have been, 1997. So were you a self-taught musician with, like, books, or did you go the traditional route that people tend to go? I would like lessons in that. Mainly books. Uh, well, obviously YouTube wasn't a thing. Um, the the internet was in its proper infancy, like um, AOL was a big thing and Yahoo was a big thing. So there was no such thing as, like, online lessons or anything so most of my sort of early teachings let's say um, my dad showed me a few chords a few initial um, like here's here's a g here's a d here's a a minor whatever and then he bought me a few oasis chord books so i would see the chord diagrams at the top and copy the shapes and then play through and practice getting faster at the chord changes and of course you've got to remember that when you're 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you've not really got anything to do other than what you're passionate about. Well, yeah. So it's not like people say to me at gigs, like when I'm playing live around here and they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, and they're like, oh, I'd love to learn how to play the guitar. It's like, I wouldn't be able to now. I've got too much I've got too much going on, you know. We'd love to go back to a time to when we didn't have adult responsibilities and had to work for a living. Uh, yeah, I'd like to take those responsibilities away, that's for sure. But I don't think I'd like to go back to being a kid again. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I can't, I think I was, was I watching a film or something? I can't remember now. And I was thinking about, yeah, the the sort of having to conform with what the the man says like this is how this is how life works this is how school works this is i like being able to forge my own path yeah and um obviously i'm doing that as well not having the job and i mean i mean yeah i i don't like to use like the word entrepreneur because i think i feel like everybody it's in fashion everybody wants to be like self-employed or whatever yeah but um not having a boss is like one of those things that drives me and um but then on the flip side of that i never switch off either true with me right now i go in do my job do my hours and then leave and so does everyone else which is nice because i have one of those jobs that i don't bring home with me in any form there's something to be said about that so it's quite nice because i've had jobs previously where even though i haven't like physically bought them home with mentally bought them home with me so from learning the basic chords how long was it till you were confident enough in your ability to begin performing live and thinking Okay, I do enjoy this, and I do want to try and take it further. Um, I mean, I played live gigs from about the age of 10. 
the first time I ever actually played live um, in it, because my dad was in a band, I could play in his break. Yeah. So I didn't have to learn a whole set. I could learn one song or three songs or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So actually somewhere I've got it on video the first time I ever played live. Um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put that on my YouTube channel one day. Um, but I actually, I actually only played the guitar that day and my brother was the singer. Oh yeah. Um, just purely because he didn't play guitar and, <laughs> and there was the whole Oasis thing. The two brothers, one played the guitar, one did the singing. So yeah, yeah. I think we were probably kind of trying to copy that in a way. Yeah. Um, but then it quickly became apparent that he wanted to learn to play an instrument as well. And he started to learn to play the guitar because he was like a year behind. He's a year younger than me. And also he started a year later than me. Yeah. So he, um, he just never quite caught up. So he, after a few years, he moved to drums, and he's a phenomenal drummer. He's a really, really good drummer. Yeah. Um, he plays in two of my bands, actually. So still still to this day, we're in the same same band. But yeah. So after that, um, I had a band with my brother and a school friend, and we were playing covers, Oasis covers and Stereophonics covers and all that kind of thing. Um, and then my friend, he was two school years above me. When he left school, he left the band as well and um kind of ditched us and then um really taking it seriously to to do it for a living wasn't until I moved to Spain yeah um because I'd never sort of considered that I could earn enough to pay bills and stuff in the UK um so yeah it was when I moved to Spain really that I thought you know what I can probably do okay out of this and um yeah I started to hit the wedding scene in about 2009 2008 2009 and then because they they pay a lot more obviously um there's something to be said about them as well in that all of your audience are in their best frame of mind not only are they that they're at the mate's wedding yeah they're also on holiday because mm-hmm. all the weddings that i do are either irish or british um couples that fly over to spain to get married so yeah so you've got them in their in their best frame of mind ever so yeah, been doing that for the last however many years. Oh yeah, fly over for the good weather and everything else. Yeah. And so speaking of Spain, was it a case of moving over, as you say, for the weather or other circumstances involved? It was just my parents wanted to move. They, um, my dad got made redundant from his job. They'd all they'd always spoken about moving to Spain. We'd been to this part of Spain on holiday since I was about six. Yeah, yeah. So they'd always. Sp- talked about it yeah and they yeah my dad got made redundant from his job and my mum's job was looking like dodgy um she's in catering and she used to um she used to run the kitchen at an engineering firm roughly close to where I grew up um near a place in a place called Stockport which is near Manchester and but they were moving the whole engineering firm abroad so I think they were I think they were sending it to Germany or something and obviously my mum wasn't going to move to Germany so her job was looking loose and they were like, right, if, if there's ever going to be a time, both their jobs were looking pretty on the edge. And um, so they decided to make the leap. So my brother and I got like the the whole, we're selling the house. You can either like, we'll, we'll bankroll you for like six months and pay rent or whatever until you get a job and get on your feet or, or you can come with us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we obviously took the easy route and moved, um, with the intention of it not being forever, actually, I I was always really sure that I would move back to the UK at some point. It just never happened. That was seventeen years ago. 
And as we've talked about before, you being in Spain, a blessing in disguise with your musical stuff, because you've basically got Spain to yourself. There isn't as much competition with people doing the same thing. No, there certainly isn't. There certainly isn't. And people, um, obviously, going back to the wedding thing, if anybody's looking for somebody who does the singer-songwriter, kind of the Ed Sheeran stuff and all that, for to to play for their their ceremony or their drinks reception or whatever um there's not many of us that do there's there's plenty of singers there's plenty of um singers that sing to backing tracks or whatever but with regards to acoustic guitar live kind of thing it's um we're few and far between and i do the I, obviously i do this on the youtube channel as well but i do the loop thing that ed sheeran does so it's that's i've very much got that niche to myself there's like a couple of other acts that use um, a loop pedal. There's a, a mate of mine actually has uh, got a duo called Betty Loop and it's him and his wife and he builds everything up with a loop pedal. He uses like a big head rush loop pedal and um, he, he'll he like play different instruments. So he'll play like some drum pads and he'll do some guitar and then play like a whatever, a kazoo into it and <laughs> loop vocals and layer it all up and stuff. So um, there's there are there's a couple of people doing it, but it's very like um, yeah, few and far between. And then adding my bands to that as well, I've kind of got the market zone. Yeah, because I can do the stripped back, like low key acoustic stuff, all the way up to like Queen covers and stuff. You know. Yeah, you've basically got everything you want to do in like your musical sense covered in either your Lucan stuff or either two of your bands, which generally is very hard to do for a lot of people. It's actually three bands now. Three. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but but we'll I've got a new band. We'll now get well. into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, your YouTube channel. When did you begin that? Was that after you'd moved or before you moved? When was that born? That was way after I'd moved, way after I moved to Spain. Um, actually, I talking of the n- ha- not having to have a job thing, I briefly had this job in an office uh, in Nurka, and that's what – Nurka's the town, by the way. That's um, like six kilometers down the road. So I had an office job, and we were making – we were doing like online marketing stuff, and we were making YouTube videos reviewing products – and that was the first sort of my first look into the yeah. using YouTube as a means of selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I didn't enjoy the sales side of stuff because it's just not me. But um, I sort of discovered some YouTubers in that time as well when I was um, looking into certain things. So I discovered Casey Neistat when I I was um, yeah. I was researching DJI drones when they were like when the first Mavic Pro came out, and the first video that popped up when I typed it into YouTube was a Casey Neistat video, and that was the first video I ever saw of his. And then I instantly started to binge watch everything he did. I was like, <laughs> my, "This is this is like I, I was so pumped about the idea of this sort of daily insight into somebody's life." But then obviously, yeah, yeah. um the unique thing that I've got to sell or not to sell as such, but the unique reason, the reason that somebody would watch me is because I play the guitar, I can sing or whatever. And it, I suppose, yeah, it was a, a, I was just thinking, what can I make that's likely to get an audience? Cause it's not all about the audience. It's about the creative thing as well. But 
my passion's always been music anyway. So yeah, um, I thought, well, if I can build an audience here, then by the time I've got some original music, then I've got somebody to show it to. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think that was about 2015 when I started posting. Yeah. Um, and some of my first videos, um, my first one that, that really went, um, that got like more than 10,000 views, for example, was I think my cover of Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. And I did a loop cover of that. Um, yeah, I did a loop cover of that on the day it came out. So I listened to it at five in the morning and just started <laughs> to work on a, a an arrangement of it. Let me just grab my phone because I think I'll be able to see when the when these were the one the, like the really early ones. Because um, and yeah, the the like very first ones I was making were like around that time um was that 2017 shape of you uh so shape of you was on divide which was so yeah march 2017 because he brought out on the third day of the third month i'm pretty sure so yeah actually i did um i did a a loop cover the first like loop cover i did um a, a mate of mine josh came and filmed it for me because he's like knows about cameras and i had no interest in cameras back then um so i did a cover a cover of happy by pharrell williams uh and that's now got seventeen thousand views which um it was a slow build though that i mean that's eight years ago that's eight years ago when i recorded that and actually there was like this talent competition locally to me here in spain and i entered that as my entry and i won it um and the the prize was actually a recording session in London, but I just just after I won, I started the job that I was just saying about. So I never ended up going. Um, so that was like the first uh, real sort of video thing. And then you can see a little bit after that, you can see my sort of trying to fight against just being pigeonholed with music because I was so into the Casey Neistat thing as well. I was like... I want to just do like vlogs and stuff. I mean, who's going to watch me walking around, walking my dog? I mean, it's just not. So you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. There's a YouTuber called Alfie Days. You may have heard of him. And for like five years, he just vlogged every single day of his life. And his vlog channel has got like how many billion views and like four million subscribers. I'm just him just doing his normal stuff of being 17 to like 23. Some people have just got away with um, presenting themselves so on a camera. And if you watch some of my early videos, it's so cringy. <laughs> it's, it is so awful. The, the, I'm kind of there with um, like thinning hair. Obviously, I've cropped it off now. I decided to embrace yeah, the fact yeah. and all that. But yeah, I'm, I'm there with thinning hair. Like I just got out of bed. My glasses are skewed like that. And I'm, I, I look like a, like a, um, what does it say? A rabbit in headlights, is it? No, a deer in headlights. A deer in headlights. A deer yeah. in headlights, yeah. And um, they're just really cringeworthy. And I've actually, um, I thought recently about re-recording some of these songs that I covered years ago and, and like, unpublishing. Yeah, doing a Taylor Swift. She's a re- recording all the old albums. Yeah, I, I, but then I think, apart from the fact that some of these videos have got, like, in excess of 100,000 views, which... Um, apart from that, it's like it's nice to see the 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 build. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, um, and I think when when other people like being a YouTuber nowadays is like being a film star or a rock star was 
20 years ago, isn't it? All kids want to be social media stars and all that. So it'd be nice to, yeah. And it'd be nice, like, even if one of them kids looks at my channel and thinks, right, there's, there, you know, there's this, imagine I've got like 150,000 subs or something in however many years. It'd be nice if they looked at it and thought, ah, like he was crap at this and he's, and he's built it, you know, rather than just assume that everybody's good at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a computer and tech YouTuber called PC Centric, who's probably about a year or two older than me. And so if he basically did a video to like celebrate hitting like a certain amount of subscribers, I can't quite remember how many, but he basically, because he had like so much footage of when he started to now, so he was basically able to show, I wasn't very good back then with like the cameras and the lighting and, and how, as you say, when you first begin, you feel incredibly cringeworthy and awkward on screen. So just by doing it more and more and more and more, you actually become better and you know how to like present things and everything else. It's kind of nice as well being able to keep all that stuff. Like the first videos that I was doing, I would I would make the video, upload it, and then delete the footage. But for the last few years, actually, I don't delete anything. So I've got all the outtakes. And some of my videos, are like um, which one was, uh, did you see my cover of Drive by Incubus? A couple of... It, it was, yeah, like a month or two ago. Uh, I did see it, yes. I did see it. Bearing in mind, I'd never heard of that song before, I'm pretty sure. So you were my uh, introduction to Incubus. It's a, it's a good song. It's a, it's a yeah, really yeah. good song. But, um, but that took me, because I've been playing that song live for years, you know, but I've always played the guitar part wrong. And I thought, if I'm going to make a YouTube video of it, I probably should play it right, because people are going to call me out in the in the comments. So I learned, and it's quite... um. It's a, it's a weird one because you're going from one shape to another, then back to the first shape, but as you're moving down the neck. Yeah. And um, it I, I was recording for like four straight hours. Yeah, yeah. To get a take that was that was good start to finish. Um, and But this is the thing with YouTube as well, is people get so good at hiding all of this stuff. Um, the one that, the video that I did on Wednesday was one of Ed Sheeran's new songs, Boat. And... There's a there's a part in the middle where it cuts to another camera angle, and I and I set that other angle up to to like cut out a yeah, yeah. a mistake. Okay. So it's like I, I do the first verse and the first chorus, yeah. and then it cuts to the other angle because I've just carried on, made a mistake, carried on, made a mistake, and I cut yeah, so yeah. that it's like seamless. But most people would watch that and it's think, oh, it's just angle. a second yeah. camera angle, just for the hell of it. But um, but yeah, it's th- these are the things that people don't talk about. Yeah, you know when when you when you're talking about your YouTube videos or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's I think it's better to just be honest about it, and Absolutely. you know there are videos out there. I've done loads of videos where it's just one angle and it's been a one take thing. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, the songs that are really new to me. Yeah. Um, I have to keep stopping halfway through or whatever. <laughs> Obviously, I don't get that luxury when I'm playing live at a gig, so I have to play the song in its entirety. Yeah, but though I guess when you do your live stuff, I assume you have like a set list that you know and that to certain extent you can probably just play them without thinking and you can just play them right. And you've played so long that you don't know how to make a mistake because you've played them so many times that you just do it right. A lot of them, 
Yeah, I find actually that the more I overthink the songs, the more mistakes I make. It tends to be the case, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, if I'm at a gig and I'm concentrating on, right, what are the what are the lyrics? I'm playing the intro to a song, what are the lyrics? Yeah. And I'm like, I've got no idea what the lyrics are. <laughs> if I'm thinking about what um what I'm having for dinner like later, yeah. then that like my my mind will wander as well when I'm playing sometimes and I I find that I've I've done three songs and I'm like I've not even not even thought about the song at all. Um but yeah, I never have a set list, or ve- I very rarely have a set list. Never have a set list. No, oh, okay. um, and I, sh- I probably should because there's a, especially lately, there's been some like really awkward pauses where I'm trying to decide what to play next. Yeah, but I kind of play on my awkwardness a little bit as well when I'm playing live. Yeah, and I guess as a Brit, we're all awkward in our own weird ways anyway. So yeah, I think we embrace it uh, quite well. You know, it's like yeah, we we are. Um, none of us are, are perfect and none of us are um, none of us are born to do this this thing that we're doing you know and it's society's turned us into these um, these machines that just um, sometimes I'll see like people taking photos of themselves taking selfies or the other day I was setting up in the village to to do a gig I was unloading the van and next to where the where the van was parked there was these three or four girls like maybe maybe like 14 15 years old and they had a they had a phone like on a tripod thing just out in public doing a dance routine on tiktok like recording this dance routine on tiktok and i thought if you showed that to somebody 10 years ago they would be they would have thought you were absolutely barking mad wouldn't they 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 would (laughs) but you see people that are like my age doing it yeah and you're like, if you'd showed that to yourself five years ago, yeah. you would be laughing your tits off, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, what, oh, yeah, what yeah, have absolutely. we become? Yeah. What have we become? Yeah. Like, I guess because with YouTube and just social media in general, just being available that we can literally do anything with. Like We can do anything. If it wasn't for lockdown, TikTok dancers probably wouldn't have become as big as they did. They probably would have been a thing. And I guess we don't know because obviously it just happened. It seems to be overnight. And well, everyone uses TikTok in one way. I use it for this. You Do you put clips of this on TikTok then? I do. Um, I do Instagram and TikTok as well. Again, because it's just available for me to use it more than anything. It's really funny, you know, um, you say that TikTok happened overnight, but um, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? I am very familiar with Gary V, yeah. G- G- Gary V, yeah. So the first I heard of TikTok, he was he was really going on about TikTok. And he was like, everybody needs to be on TikTok. And he used to talk about a thing called Musical.ly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, music.ly. Yeah, it was basically like the TikTok before TikTok. Yeah. That was like Vine and Musical.ly, which some people who again became big on tiktok began doing their stuff on vine and musically mm. so obviously they then obviously moved when it became big and they've obviously like adapted their way and yeah but i remember i remember gary v saying like everybody now that's got a brand should be on tiktok because it's going to explode yeah and uh and here's a difference where some people just know some people just know where it's at don't they yeah yeah and Gary V is one of those people. He just knows what's going on. He he's so he's so 
tuned in to the 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 way businesses run and stuff obviously it's it's his job to know this stuff as well um yeah. <laughs> but it's it's amazing isn't it how somebody can be so um yeah just so tuned into everything and and know right that's going to be the next big thing and, and they're just on the money all the time yeah um i've still not got into tiktok i've got a, i've got a tiktok account i've got one a personal one and one for one of my bands and i just don't know what to post my my content is my like my thing is YouTube yeah. and it's I don't care about the growth of my my Instagram account I don't care about the gr- the growth of my TikTok account or um, YouTube is my thing because I think probably because I'm quite old fashioned yeah yeah and I like the idea of like I follow Peter McKinnon I follow like Rhett Shull do you know Rhett Shull uh, I've never heard of him do you play guitar at all I do very much so. Okay, so Retchell is a, and he's, I think he's from Atlanta, and he does purely guitar and music related content. It's really, really cool. And he plays, um, he's played live. He plays with a band, um, Noah Guthrie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's something, I can't remember that. Um, right, so Retchell's Noah Guthrie's um, guitar player. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. And he's, he's good friends with Rick Beato. Do you know him? Oh, the name rings a bell. The name rings a bell. Does he have um? Does he have like white slick back hair? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So him and Retschul, do you know Mary Spender? I do. Yes, I was actually watching one of her videos literally before we started this. Weirdly enough, so she she's like friends with them as well. There's some good stuff there, and and that's sort of since I started following those people, um, that's when I've been like actually maybe it might make sense to embrace the fact that this channel is music related and there's nothing I can do about that. And, and all the other, my other interests have to kind of disappear a little bit because, um, again, I was listening to a podcast the other day of, do you know, Matty Hapoya that was shared a, he, he shared an office with Peter McKinnon for a little bit. To be honest, I he's a he's fit Finnish born Canadian filmmaker. I know Peter McKinnon just because his video came up on a YouTube recommended, but I I haven't heard of the other guy. Good good people to to good people to learn like video editing and and photography and fi- filmmaking and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. But he was saying because um, Peter McKinnon's got two cha- two YouTube channels. Yeah, yeah. He's got Peter McKinnon and Pete's Pirate Life. Oh yeah, and uh, Pete's Pirate Life is like his interests yeah yeah and the peter mckinnon brand is like the filmmaking photography yeah, yeah the thing that met that sort of exploded but then the other side of it is like i've got so many interests outside of filmmaking but i feel like i can't yeah, yeah. put them up there because my my audience don't care yeah yeah um so i've always had that dilemma as well like i'm really i'm a really big fan of stuff like big fan of formula one big fan of like really like uh, things like Harry Potter and the Marvel films and all that kind of thing. Big fan of all that stuff. And But you can't put that on a channel that's um, mainly people wanting to learn how to play the guitar because they don't care about it. Um, but since watching the, as I say, Retschel and Rick Beato and Mary Spender and people like that, I've sort of started to embrace the fact that, you know what, I can have my interests. I don't have to put them on YouTube. You don't have to. That's that's going back to the whole thing that I said about the entrepreneur thing that I really don't like, but for want of a better phrase, is I'm always trying to figure out ways to turn my passions into uh, a way to earn a living. Yeah, yeah. So that I can focus my time and effort on this stuff as well. The amount of that sort of stuff I get just on my Instagram feed, somehow, I don't follow 
any major... Okay, I follow Gary Vee because he's doing literally something every second of the day, it seems. But other than that, I don't follow any other of those sorts of grinding hustle culture people. But I just, I just get a podcast clip of someone saying those sorts of hustle, hustle, hustle things. I guess it's just one of those things and it just gets onto your uh, Instagram feed one way or another. Yeah. Do you find that you get, um, that you go through waves of interest with stuff like that as well? Like I, I sort of listened to, I went through a big phase of listening to Gary V's audio experience podcast every day when I was walking the dog. And now I can't even remember the last time I listened to it. It's, it comes and goes in waves and I'm exactly the same with Peter McKinnon as well. I watch every one of his videos and then I'll just lose interest for a month or two. And then I'll come back in and I'll catch up with everything that I missed. Lose interest and then then you come back and yeah, especially with YouTube because you can follow like so many different people and you can then watch their stuff, then not get bored with it. But when I watch something a bit new, then you can find someone else. Then go, oh, I was into them two months ago and let's see what they're doing. It's just the way that YouTube just gets you to stay on to watch videos, doesn't it? Yeah, the, th- the thing is as well, we use... We use YouTube as a search engine as well. So if you're starting to get into something new, then you um, all those all those YouTubers that you follow get pushed down the list because, like, at the moment, I was saying to you just before we started recording that I'm expecting a package at the moment, and um, yeah, yeah, because when I do the when I play live and I do the weddings and stuff, I'm starting to offer these all day packages so I can provide the music from the start of the day, the welcome, right the way through to the tail end of the. The thing, so I've um, I've ordered a set of like DJ decks with the two turntables and the and the mixing bit in the middle, um, because I'm going to start doing like wedding DJing at the end, and um, nice. everything that I do, I, I I jump I jump in head first and I just really learn how how it works. Hence why when I started to do the YouTube thing, I became really interested in photography because I had to learn how the camera works. What does aperture do? What does ISO do? What does shutter speed do? And the whole thing. But so with this thing now, I've been researching on YouTube, um, <laughs> mixing tips and techniques and all that DJ. So now my feed's full of DJ stuff and what console is the best and which is what should you have and what should you not have and what can you mix together and all that. So my, yeah. my feed is full of that stuff. So all the filmmaking stuff's disappeared. Yeah, I'm sure that's when people type in how to play said Ed Sheeran song with a loop pedal. I'm pretty sure like your video must come up pretty high on the YouTube ranking, I would think. Possibly for the for the loop stuff. Possibly for the loop stuff. The thing is, because I'm me, when I'm logged in, my stuff naturally appears higher. Like, depending on what you watch and who you follow and all that, it changes the search thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think the best way to check is to use an incognito window, log out of everything and, and search and see where it comes up. I don't know, to be honest. I've never, I've never done it. I've never, I've never looked. Something that does annoy me is that when, if you, if you Google my name, I know you shouldn't do that, but I'm trying to work on marketing and stuff. So I have to, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. there's another guy called Lee Townsend in the States. Who's, um, uh, a music producer yeah, yeah and he's i mean he's probably in his 70s this guy but he's called lee townsend and he's got a few he's had a few releases that have sort of done done relatively well or done something or whatever so um my photo appears in his profile on google and the number of times <laughs> i've had i've asked to have it removed not for anything other than the confusion of people 
typing my name in and seeing this other guy. Also, his his YouTube music link and his like Deezer and Tidal and all that links. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you click his ones, they go to my my music, <laughs> which is a bit odd. Yeah, in a weird way, it's like one way for people to discover you. I mean, nobody's likely to search for this guy either, you know? No, exactly. So going back to the loop pedal stuff, so with enough, I asked uh, our mutual friend Luke James Schaefer how he discovered the whole looping thing because that seems to be his main thing. And obviously, you guys have done stuff together as well, which we'll go uh, into shortly. Um, so how did you uh, find out about loop pedals and then that like, you incorporated into it? How did it all come together? I actually, um, I bought the loop pedal off the back of seeing Ed Sheeran's performance on Later with Jules Holland. Oh, yeah. And he did, uh, the first time he was on the show, he played the A-Team. Yeah. And he did a cover of Wayfaring Stranger, which is an old American folk song from like way back when. And uh, so I, I bought the loop pedal. Um, it arrived on the Wednesday and I gigged it on the Saturday having played around with it for a little bit. And the, the only song I really did with it was Wayfaring Stranger. It was the first one that I sort of got to grips with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd seen the loop thing. Um, Katie Tunstall used it like... Oh, yeah. Way, like 2002, something like that, doing Black Hole Cherry Tree. Well, with enough, so Jules Holland was celebrating 20 years of, or 30 years of doing his late live show last year. And so on the BBC, they were like, pulling out various performances of now famous people who basically got famous using the show, like Ed Sheeran, as you mentioned, Foo Fires. And I'd heard of Katie Tunstall before, though I didn't actually realise that Jules Holland was her main springboard into, into stardom. There was some classics. Yeah. She was a, she honestly, she was a nobody. Uh, I say, I say that in the nicest possible way, but when she was on Later with Jules Holland, that song, Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, she used that as a she used that as a warm up oh, wow. at her live shows, and it wasn't even on the album. It wasn't even on the set. But they um oh some, she did mention someone, that yeah yeah some someone said uh someone said to her I'll do the do the like loop song and she's like what seriously it's not even on surely I should be playing the new single yeah yeah but that that album Eye to the Telescope if you've not listened to that whole album give it a listen because it's a really really good album but there's um again I I go through waves and stuff of all that but podcast episodes there's one um it's Katie Tunstall is the guest on I think what was it? It might have been like Happy Place with Fern Cotton. Do you know that uh, that podcast? Yeah, yeah. I think she, it might have been an episode of that where she goes into the whole thing of the late with Jules Holland. And she was like, she had like three days notice. Somebody pulled out and they said to her, can you do the slot? Yeah. And she had like three days and she was like doing it. Yeah. Crazy. It worked for her though. Well, I was tempted to go and see her last year. Though I think she like sold out straight away because she's Katie Tattinson. Mm. Is it a relatively small show? So she was playing at the Southampton Guild Hall, which is about about a 45-minute drive to where I am. And I think it's probably the same size as regular size theatre, probably, I would say. So, you know, about 1,000 probably-ish. So you're uh, practicing Wayfaring Stranger using the loop pedal. And I guess you're like, okay, I can now see what else I could use this thing for. Yeah, and obviously Ed Sheeran uses the loop pedal in a way that um, it's very similar to what I do now um, because I've yeah, yeah. watched him doing the whole thing. 
Um, there's a, a little difference is I use an octave pedal to add bass lines in. So I'll click the octave pedal on play the bass line, click it off, and it loops that. Um, so it can sound it can sound really good if it's once you've got the mix right of getting the levels right of, on everything. Um, but also it's it can be quite restricting because you have to play stuff that's really repetitive. Do you know what I mean? So you can get to a point where it's like, I, I kind of want to get out of this now. And I found myself lately, actually, uh, much, much preferring playing with a band to playing solo, uh, just because we can do more. And also I can back off with the guitar a little bit as well. Um, my new band that I've formed like a year ago, we've got a keyboard player now, and I've never played with a keyboard player before. So it allows me to like not play at all for a verse and then come in and to build the chorus up or whatever. Um, and I'm just really enjoying that at the moment. Um, that and the the YouTube thing scratches the solo itch yeah, yeah. anyway because I'm doing that on a weekly basis and yeah. I get to I get to talk to you know the audience because um, also another thing with living in Spain is finding people who are like minded is really difficult. Yeah, there's I don't know anybody that's got my the same interests as me. Yeah, sure. So I don't get to geek out about guitar gear with anyone because I don't really know any guitarists. Um, so I get to do that with my YouTube audience. I recently set up a, a Discord server. Mm-hmm. So there's about 20 of us in there that all play guitar and we all we all just message like, how's everyone doing? And yeah. so it's like the, the Lee Townsend Discord server. Uh, that, But it's nice. It's it's like I post my video there when I, when I post it, like when I publish it or whatever. Um, but yeah, the people who are like really into what I'm doing on, on YouTube are all in this discord server so we can just chat amongst each other. And, um, I'll probably do a, a handful of live streams as well at some point. Cause, yeah. um, it'd be nice to do, do like a live Q and a session or something like that. Um, I'm waiting for my new, my new, uh, YouTube studio to be built. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I was, I should have been in by now, to be honest. We've been saying over text how it's all going, and I think because that feels like a year's project to you know, convert an old garage into the YouTube studio, so then you don't know, have to set up stuff in your lounge like you are now, and can just have everything glued to the floor, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in a space for a while where we were rehearsing with the band, yeah, and uh, it was the back of a storage unit that a friend of mine runs, yeah, like he just storage space for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, but it was just really dingy. Like actually some of my videos from like six months ago mm-hmm. were recorded in there. Um, you, you might remember like the horrible concrete background with the drum yeah. kit behind <laughs> me and all that. It, it was awful. And the final straw was when I was record, I was, uh, rehearsing there with one of my bands leading up to like a string of gigs. And as we were playing, there was mice running across the carpet in front of us. Lovely. Uh, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was not the best. It was not the nicest. So I just said to the guy, look, this isn't working. So we gave him the keys back. And so ever since I've been back here, but um, a friend of mine's having a, a space built at the moment. Um, he's a He does wedding catering. Yeah, yeah. So he's having a big industrial kitchen, big pot wash area, a tasting room so that he can invite the clients in and, and they can sit and try the food and all that. But there's a space at the back that he doesn't need. So I've got like a six by seven meter room that's going to literally be lock on the door just for me to have cameras, lights and all that. So I walk in, flick a switch, hit record and go. Very nice. 
Um, so once I'm in there, then I'll do more live stuff because I, I won't be distracted. Yeah, very much so. And I can just jump on. I can let my Discord server know that I'm going to be going live and then it can just be like everybody jump in and play a couple of songs maybe and then answer some questions or whatever. Um, I kind of I kind of like that thing. I mean, it's weird because when I started the YouTube thing, I, I sort of thought, well, who cares what I've got to say, you know? But then, you know, people like you, you asking me to do this is a bit weird even because it's like, I'm who am I, you know? <laughs> who am I to want to talk to? <laughs> Along with the new studio, you thinking who wants to know my opinion on stuff, but you've now got brands and guitar companies sending you a lava guitar and loop pedals and this sort of thing. Yeah. So the lava guitar is really cool, by the way. Is it? That's cool. Yeah. I. You know what? I When I first got it, I thought um, a lot of this is quite gimmicky. And I said that on the video. I think I feel like a lot of it's quite gimmicky, but the um, I lent it to a friend of mine for a few months. And when I got it back and started to play it again, I was like, actually, this, I, the, I forgot how good this is. And it's, yeah, yeah. it sounds great unplugged as well. Yeah. It's got a very unique sound, but it sounds really cool. Um, I, I just feel like for, for what it is, not from a guitar perspective, but all the tech that's in it, mm-hmm. I feel like the price is out of reach for a lot of people. Like you could buy a Sheeran by Loudon acoustic for less than the I do want one of those I really want one of the Sheeran by Loudons and you know my my um my acoustic that I play live yeah yeah is like it's a two it's a 2000 euro guitar um and even I want a Sheeran by Loudon which is half the price but um again going back to my discord server one of the guys in my discord server has just bought one and he said when he got it it was really disappointed but then he had it set up by a professional luthier and he, he said it's such a nice guitar to play so did companies contact you saying we'd seen your stuff and we want to send you this just because or yeah yeah the first one was the lava the lava me um and then i got the 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 enya uh nova the nova go by enya music i got um maybe like not quite a year later uh which again the the technology is amazing the enya um the the body's a lot smaller so unplugged it sounds a lot more tinny but still the 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 technology there is is amazing and then obviously i've got the the loop pedal from Lakato the other week they've actually they reached out and said that they because they make um a wireless system for the guitar as well and they also make a wireless in-ear monitor uh, set up and they've actually sent me both of those they're in the post as we speak um so they they've sent me those and we're doing a giveaway together um so that'll be in the next few weeks um anybody who's subscribed to both channels and likes us on instagram and leaves a comment or whatever will yeah um we'll pick a winner and Lakato will send them a, um the wireless system oh nice um so that'll be fun i'm not done a giveaway before yeah yeah I see. I watched the loop pedal one, and I was like, if I was just starting out on the loop pedal stuff, it would be that sort of thing I'd be looking for. It's like a very small and compact little thing. You can probably whack that in a backpack with a couple of cables and just go anywhere with that. Yeah, it surprised me a little bit the build quality of that thing as well. Um, and yeah. I'm real. I've never been one for effects really with guitar, even though I play electric guitar with the bands, obviously. I've always been, um, I've always played in three piece bands. So there's been a drummer, a bass player and me, 
Um, so I've had to cover all my guitar solos have had to be full of noise as well to, so that the sound doesn't drop when I start to solo. So I've always been really decent valve amp with a clean channel, a crunch channel and a lead channel. And that's been it. Um, but now with this new band, I've started to use the pod go. I don't know if you saw the video that I did of that, of the pod go. So, um, with the new band, mm-hmm. I'm not using an amp at all. Wow. I'm just using the pod go, but obviously that's got all different effects at my fingertips. So it's allowing me to use like delay effects and, um, bits of like choruses and, and phases and things like that, which I've never really explored before. Um, but it's kind of nice to be able to do that as well. And I'm really loving the, uh, with that band, I'm almost exclusively playing the uh, SE Silver Sky, the John Mayer guitar. Oh, nice. Yeah, really, really liking that. Weirdly enough, John Mayer is coming to Europe next year. And so I bought tickets to see him in March next year. So I'm very looking forward to that. Yeah, solo tour. Cool. Where Where's that? The O2 Arena in London, because I think he's literally just doing London and he was only doing one night. But because it's like, oh, my God, John Mayer is coming to Europe for like the first time in God knows how long. So nobody like that ever comes to Spain, you know, No. nobody like that ever comes to Spain. I saw John Mayer in 2019. Yeah. Uh, my wife, my wife bought us tickets to go and watch him, but we had to fly to Amsterdam Yikes. to watch him because he d- he doesn't come to Spain. So uh, and he was with his full band and um, yeah, yeah, what what a band, what a guitarist. He's just I know he's out of this world as a as a oh he is fantastic. Did you hear his podcast episode with Corey Wong? Uh, no, look that up. I'll look that up. Yeah, it's called Wong Notes. Wong with a W. Oh, very nice. Wong notes and there's it's two there's two episodes because the, the talk is that long that is that there's like three hours worth of it but um the second half he so they're doing a rogan yeah yeah so he um the second half he like really plays stuff and but it's um really really cool definitely worth a listen hello just interrupting this episode to ask you a quick favor if you like what you're listening to give it a rating leave a review and subscribe to the podcast feed it helps more than you could imagine. Now, back to the episode. Speaking of uh, pedals and, and that sort of thing, is there any more sort of tech that you do have your eye on that you are like, oh, I want to get my hands on that just to see how I can use it? I really, really would like to have a go with the RC600, the new the new Boss Looper. It's, the, it's, the, it's taken over from the RC300, which was the three three channel, but this one's got six. This one's got six channels. It's the same layout. You could build an orchestra on that, couldn't you? Yeah, it's the same layout. It's got the 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 three sets of the uh, play, record, and the stop buttons. Yeah, but then it's got like a, a channel switch, which switches to the next bank. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think I would use anywhere near all six, but it would be. It'd be cool to mess with. I'd like to have a look at it at least. It would be cool. And other than that, um, gosh, flies everywhere in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, I don't know. Um, because because the pod go does so much, I feel like I don't really need anything. Um, little things like um, I'd like to get a like a DI pedal for my acoustic when I'm playing with the band, just to give it that extra 
uh, well, the extra clarity with the balance signal. Because um, at the moment, I'm just using a like a standard guitar cable into the desk with a with an EQ pedal. But obviously, that's unbalanced. So if there's any interference, it sort of goes into the cabling and stuff. So I'd like an, uh, a DI so that I could use balanced XLR into the desk. Um, I just I just invested a load of gear in a new PA system, a, new, a load of money in a new new PA system for the band as well. So um, my yeah my bank balance is kind of low <laughs> at the moment because um, yeah it was the best part of four grand this thing. It was it's uh yeah it's nice it's it's very uh it'll last for a while but it's but it's a big thing. Yeah, well, I'd like to hope so. Otherwise, you need a refund on those. So with all the new stuff you've been doing, you've sprinkled in quite a few collaborations or duets. You've did quite a few in lockdown, as I saw with a guitarist friend of yours and a piano friend of yours. When you were doing those, was that quite a learning curve from just doing the stuff on your own to having to try and get the video and audio from them and incorporate and make sure it's all in sync and looks decent yeah i you know what actually i was um probably unfairly to the other musicians that i was working with uh i was blown away by all three of them and um actually my 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 initial intention um i reached out to luke james schaefer first before uh i think before any of them because my intention was when i hit ten thousand subs to do a collaboration week and do seven collabs and release one a day for that week. But it just never worked out that way. Um, between nine and 10,000 subs happened so quickly that I just, I just didn't have chance to, um, to get it all ready. And um, so, yeah, the first one I did was with a guy called Luke Taylor, who um, I've never met personally. I found him on YouTube yeah. and uh, was quite surprised how what what small following he had so um i sort of got in touch with him and we agreed because because he's from manchester i'm from kind of near manchester and obviously the background of oasis we decided to do an oasis song um and then the second guy greg he actually he's the only guy other than my dad to ever give me a guitar lesson yeah yeah so he was like the at my school he was like the guitar god of the school um and he's like probably I bet he's a good four, maybe even five school years above me. Mm. So he was like the he was like year eleven when I was like year seven, maybe around about that. <laughs> and he was like shredding, yeah, yeah, uh, Steve Vai and Joe Satriani stuff then. Jeez. when I was like struggling to play Noel Gallagher stuff, and his stuff isn't us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I went through a phase when I was a kid of wanting to be the guitarist and step away from the vocals and get a vocalist in. Yeah. Um, it never ended up happening, but um, the reason I had a few lessons from this guy was I wanted to learn how to play faster because, you know, when you're, when you're young, I want to play fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, I think the thing that I've always, uh, I've probably only recently grasped actually is to, in order to be able to play quickly, all it takes is practice. In order to play anything, it takes practice. Yeah, but I think because the basic stuff always came so easy to me. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 initial chord changes and stuff that people struggle with, like yeah, changing between a C and a G or a G and an F or whatever, came so easily to me. Yeah, yeah. I I just assumed that there was some kind of trick to playing fast. <laughs> 
And uh, it's just not the case. It's it's just doing it over and over and over again. Um, so then, yeah, obviously I decided to do the John Mayer Gravity with, with Greg. And actually those videos, all the collabs that I've done actually flopped. And with regards to views, they've all flopped. Um, but I, I didn't do it for that anyway. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. The only thing is I, I would have liked for Luke Taylor and Greg to have gained more subscribers from them, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously I've got a, um, like pushing 12,000, is it pushing 12,000? I'm not even sure anymore. It's like 11,000 yeah. something on you're on your way there. So yeah, I did I did those two obviously, and then a few a few weeks later, I did a, a cover in person with uh, a guy. We did the Joker and the Queen, the Ed Sheeran song, um, and he was actually he was the first keyboard player in my band Gecko Blaster. Uh, he's now sadly been replaced by another another guy in the band. It just didn't work out, whatever. Um, and so yeah, that was that kind of cover. And then more recently, obviously, the Luke James Schaefer thing finally happened after it must have been, it must have been nearly two years from me first messaging him and him saying, yeah, I'll do it. In the time it took me to pull my finger out and actually get it done, he moved to a different country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he moved across the world in the same time. To be completely honest, I don't know if it was me discovering you through him or him through you i can't remember which one it was but i knew you followed him on instagram because the mutual followers that so i did see that you were there i was like okay interesting but though it wasn't till i got him on which to his credit from emailing him to doing it probably a week two weeks he's a damn sight more switched on than i am that's for sure <laughs> let's just say um some people are better at answering emails than others yeah. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's been pretty good actually. There was one email that I sent out that he he must have just missed it. I think he opened it maybe on his phone or something and just missed it. And I, because um, I'd me- messaged him saying, um, like this was after like ages of just it just hanging and hanging. And I said, if you're still up for it, um, I'd like to finally get this done. And then he, he didn't answer me. And I was like, oh shit, I've uh, I've like annoyed him or something. Um, and then he eventually got back to me. He was like, oh, so sorry. Like, I missed your thing. But he said, because he, he's not really doing YouTube stuff anymore because he's not got a setup in London. Um, but his his, uh, his TikTok stuff, his TikTok and Instagram stuff's hilarious. Have you seen some of it? Oh, yeah. I just oh, saw one. Um, yeah, I just saw one just before we started recording. And he was, um, he turned a spam email that he'd got into a song. I, I saw that one. <laughs> I, was, I was like, that's just, it's so cool. The way that um, the way that he thinks of these ideas and using ChatGPT to to write songs for him and stuff, brilliant, brilliant idea. I know, right? and with enough today, he's released a song called Mother's Day because it's Mother's Day in the US Sunday. He's releasing it now for Sunday. Sunday just gone was Mother's Day here in Spain, by the way. Oh, was it? I've been of ChatGPT. What's your uh, stance on? Jack GPT writing songs just by typing in, write a song about this, about this, and this, and this. Um, I don't know if it's, it, obviously it's an amazing tool. We all know it's an amazing tool. It's it's a bit scary. And I find, I mean, there's always going to be a place for the heart and the soul of a person writing a song from an experience 
uh, like anything off Ed Sheeran's latest album. Have you have you had a listen to any of Subtract? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, going back to the to the Chat GPT thing, I think um, I I often have this debate with um, with people, and I don't. Uh, maybe it's unfair of me to say because I, I do believe that there should be music for every emotion, um, and and all all genres of music have their their place but there's some stuff that's come out by like the black eyed peas or what's that one where they they um they nicked the is it dirty dancing uh you know like i i hear something like that yeah it's that i had the time of my life I, yeah i don't know the name of the song it's just the song that sampled dirty dance it is um, when I hear something like that, I I think th- that is garbage, and nothing against Will I Am and Crew, but that um, th- obviously they've got permission to use the the melody, the lyrics, and all that stuff. So it's not 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 from a legal standpoint or anything like that. But that it's no wonder music is getting so predictable and repetitive, like. If you listen to something from the 80s, instantly it's from the 80s. If you listen to something from the 90s, instantly you know where it's from. So if you, like, yeah, there's there's a way of telling what was in at that time. But I feel like it's going to make me sound really old. Um, But I feel like there's so much rubbish in the charts that the... When, for, for example, when Ed Sheeran releases something, I feel like it's it's almost a breath a breath of fresh air, and I'm astounded that he gets so much hate actually, because but I think people, especially in the UK, I think people love to hate on success. People love to diss success, and it's look at someone like Lewis Hamilton, for example, like how much hate he gets is astonishing to be honest i don't really follow formula one or, or lewis hamilton no but you hear him getting you hear him getting slated don't you um or do you not i don't know he he gets a lot of hate does he okay and but like look so, someone like michael schumacher for example yeah yeah he i remember when he like late 90s early 2000s when he was dominating the sport yeah yeah everybody in the uk hated him yeah now he's the greatest of all time yeah now he is the goat and everybody is like um schumacher greater than sign hamilton you know and and it's like give it another 10 15 years you'll all be saying how great hamilton was yeah but i feel like it's a it's a culture thing in the uk we love to diss people who are successful Whereas in the US, I think success is celebrated. Oh, massively, massively. There's a big cultural difference between the two, I think. Weirdly enough, I was watching, funnily enough, an Ed Sheeran interview on Elvis Duran in the morning show in the state. And Ed was literally saying how, for some reason, whether or not it is just a British thing and our insecurities and how when people reach a certain stature, we like to bring them down as much as we can. But then if the artist can withstand it and makes more stuff, he then becomes this national treasure sort of thing. That's more or less what he said. 
Yeah, I feel like he's come to the tail end now of the of the like monster success. He's never ever gonna make anything as big as Divide again. No, he's never gonna. No. Just because it was so big and so record breaking. Yeah, yeah. That it's just not. He can't. He can't yeah. break those records. It's it's just not gonna happen. But obviously, this whole conversation came from the Chat GPT thing, didn't it? But yeah, <laughs> um, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. My my stance on that is that when when the time comes that AI has the capability of experiencing emotion and starts to be able to write music as emotive as subtract, for example, I think we're, we're, um, we're in for a dangerous period of time, actually. Um, because I mean, AI has just exploded, hasn't it? It was one minute it was crypto and NFTs, and then that seems to have just disappeared. And all of a sudden, it, AI is the the next massive thing. But it's a scary thing. There's been enough films made about it, man. Watch something like iRobot. You know, you know the the Will Smith film iRobot. There's others. There's probably better ones, actually, better examples. But <laughs> it's um, sure. essentially AI is um, it's learning. It's always learning. Um, and when it when it learns the fact that it's been created by us, yeah, its sole purpose is going to be the same as ours. Its sole purpose is going to be survival. Yeah, yeah. And it, as soon as humans um, threaten the survival of that thing, yeah, yeah. You know, there was a there was a case. Um, I'm going back years now, but there was a this kid yeah. hacked BMW, the car manufacturer. Oh, yeah. And he mm-hmm. he hacked this particular garage and told the computer any car that gets plugged into this computer for diagnostics or whatever, turn off the brakes. Right. Obviously, no one died. Nothing happened because alarm bells. As soon as it as soon as it attacked, alarm bells went off. Yeah. And they actually they, they ended up yeah, employing yeah, yeah. the yeah, kid yeah. as their head of security. That like to yeah to um uh, yeah it tends to be the case yeah. So what happens when AI can um, can implant itself on your computer? So you use ChatGPT on your on your browser. What happens when it figures out a way to put itself on your laptop, and then in your with your next movement, you go online and you check your bank balance. Right, ChatGPT's got uh, it. Won't be ChatGPT. It'll be a different whatever comes next. It'll be something different. Yeah, but it's it's got access to your bank account then, right? Yeah, yeah. So it can freeze your bank account, and, and you can do nothing without that. So, what's what's the answer? Where does it stop? Where does it become? Um, yeah, where where does it become like this is too far now? You know, because technology can can destroy us now because we're so reliant on it. You know, um, there's there's like hospitals have to have backup generators and all that stuff. Uh, in case the, the electricity goes down because we need it to run. It's not like we can do all the stuff that we used to do manually. It's all controlled by computers. If the computers go down on an airplane, we're, you know, w- what happens when when AI gains access to that stuff? You know what I mean? I think it's a case of it depends who uses it because obviously if people like use it for like good intentions, then that's hopefully going to be a good thing. It's when people then begin to think, okay, I can use this to do X, Y, and Z that I may be able to benefit from, but it's going to impact 
A, B, and C. There's always a power thing, isn't there? Oh, massive. And I think as well, like people that have got nothing um, think that the people that have got everything have got it all sussed out. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you really look at um, what makes people happy, you know, somebody might use a piece of technology to to rob somebody, to rob money off somebody, or you know, yeah. uh, people get get hacked all the time for crypto. Yeah, yeah. You hear, you know, people have had like NFTs stolen mm-hmm. from yeah. the from these, you know, ha- not not even hackers really. They just they pose as like uh, su- support chat bots or whatever don't they and yeah, yeah um but the the bottom line is that thing that you've stolen isn't going to make you happy it's not going to solve all your issues that make you that person all the things that make you that person who's willing to to steal from somebody is it's a lack of foresight on your own behalf because like you doing this podcast at the moment you're benefiting financially nothing whatsoever for sure oh god no absolutely nothing all it's doing is taking up your time but it makes you happy otherwise you wouldn't be doing it and it's the, the same with me with youtube as well like um somebody somebody with like 50 subscribers might look at me and think wow like twelve thousand subscribers i'm still making nothing out of it all right i've been sent a couple of nice toys and stuff by these companies because they like what i'm doing or whatever but yeah, yeah. i'm not doing it for for financial gain it, yeah you know it'd be lovely if one day that the, the youtube thing could pay the bills and stuff for sure it'd be it'd be nice to be able to back off with the stuff that i'm not too into because you know as a professional musician i have to say yes to everything and like any job there's a day where you go and you'd rather be at home yeah yeah. you know i have gigs now booked i've got um, wedding bookings now for 2025 so by the time that comes round, there's always a day where i'll be i'll be sat at home with my wife and my kid and I want to just stay and watch a film, but you have to go to work because you have to go to work. And it because it's my job, it is like, right, I've got to go to work. And it's not like, yeah, I've got a gig tonight. Like everybody thinks it is. Oh, I'm so excited I've got a gig uh, because their experience of that gig is a night out. Yeah, yeah. And they're doing that because that's their leisure. Yeah. And uh, the number of people that come up to me after a wedding and say, oh, we're having an after party. Do you want to come down for a few drinks? I'm like, no, I'm at work. You know, yeah. As lovely as it is for them to invite me, I, I'm at work. It's it's a, a completely different way of looking at things. But yeah, as I say, the the YouTube, the internet thing is not a. We don't start it for financial gain, and I think anybody that does start a YouTube channel to make money is going to fail because they're not going to see the growth that they want fast enough. I think especially kids growing up now before social media to an extent there wasn't such thing as an actual overnight success it was always like it takes a decade to become an overnight success that sort of thing yeah so there still is no such thing as an overnight success by the way just because you only heard of somebody today doesn't mean that they haven't worked for 15 years to get to where they are you know somebody could subscribe to me tomorrow i've been making videos since 2015 you know yeah it's it's for them for for me to be discoverable by them means that I've put the work in. Yeah, and I get it all the time. You oh, you're so lucky being sent that guitar, or you're so lucky, uh, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I've made a hundred and I don't know how many videos that have t- each taken me probably a day, maybe more to make. Um, there's luck isn't really a part of it to be honest. It's it's hard work and dedication and whatever 
But uh, consistency is key as well. Um, I've been consistent since the beginning of this year. I've been posting every every week. Uh, I missed I've, I missed two weeks, um, and the growth's been astonishing. Yeah, the the views have doubled since the beginning of the year. So I'm getting like uh, I don't know twenty. I'll tell you now. So I'm so I, according to my the ones of your YouTube studio. Yeah. I, 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 you can check everything. One thing I hate about it is the uh, the ranking out of ten. It's a blessing and a curse. It ranks your last video based on the last ten that you posted. Oh yeah. Um. So my last one is like two out of ten. It's ranked two out of ten anyway. Yeah, I get about twenty four thousand views every twenty eight days. Jeez. So it's not bad. It's not bad. And I say like I say I earn nothing out of it. The 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 revenue, the AdSense revenue is about 50 between 50 and 60 euros a month it's pretty good so it's still it's nothing but at least it's i guess for me earning 50 60 quid a month for a hobby that'd be awesome but i have a full-time job and everything else so for me that would be an extra added bonus that's the one when people say to me when they ask would you ever want to make a living out of a hobby that's part of me that'd be of course yes that's the dream but then there's also that part of it that's like, like the precise reason why I play the guitar and do it everything is because I enjoy it. And the last thing I want to do is take the enjoyment by having to do X, Y, and Z. You know, I'd rather keep the enjoyment part of it that's kept me interested in it for the majority of my entire life. It is It is a funny thing. Yeah. Mm. And that's the curse. That's the curse with my brain as well. Is like um, I started doing the YouTube thing, got really into cameras, and all of a sudden, I've got a license to fly a drone. I've got my own drone. I've got the 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 gimbal, the DJI gimbal for my D- DSLR camera. So started doing real estate video and photography and all that kind of. And I, instantly, my brain goes, "I love this. How can I make money out of it?" And then. I end up falling out of love with it because there's the pressure behind it of try, having to make something, um, having to make something that I'm not passionate about. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm I, I enjoy the real estate video thing, but um, it's not my everything, you know. Whereas music always has been. Like it actually, I've I've considered doing a couple of podcast episodes myself because this situation to me i re- i really enjoy talking to somebody about similar interests or whatever um there's just the only thing for me is it would involve me stopping doing something that i care about more yeah because you've only got the the time that you've got haven't you mm. you know i need to oh, dedicate yeah. some time yeah. to my family as well otherwise they'd <laughs> I know, leave me or whatever you know um so it's like, yeah, I've got um, a daughter who I've got to go and pick up from nursery in about 45 minutes, by the way. Um, uh, and yeah, she's like, she takes up more and more time every day because she's getting older and she wants to play. She wants to do this. She wants to go to the park. She wants to. Yeah. So my sort of work day of answering emails, taking bookings, doing all the social media stuff yeah, yeah. is between nine in the morning and two in the afternoon when she's at nursery. Yeah. And then as soon as she gets home, it's like, if I've not got a gig, then it's, I try to do or a gig or band practice or a meeting or whatever. Yeah. Then I try to sort of dedicate as much time as possible. Also, I've got another kid on the way as well. Congratulations. Yeah. Cheers, man. It's in October. It's going to be 
double the... Double the fun or double the trouble. One of the two, usually, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see, won't we? So you were saying about the fact how you, know, you only have the time you have when you do your actual job. I'm assuming the next few months of you are, are going to be fairly chock-a-block with weddings and everything else. Yeah, it's um, it's fairly busy. I've got um, I've got a string of weddings from the first of June. I've got a string of weddings that's like five days in a row, but it's like I'm there all day. I'm playing, yeah. singing the bride down the aisle, doing the whole ceremony bit, doing the drinks reception as a solo, yeah, yeah, a solo act, and then I've got to do the 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 wireless mic for the speeches, the background music for the meal. I'm playing with the band afterwards, and that's like yeah. back to back five in a row. Um, in August, I've got a wedding in Valencia, which for us is like a six-hour drive. Yeah. Uh, so it's like overnight stay the whole the whole trip, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, whole thing. So it's it, yeah. I've I've not got a lot of free time. I've got um tomorrow. I'm playing in Marbella in a bar called La Sala Puerta Banus. It's um like a a bit of an exclusive bar. That's um. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then I've got a wedding next Wednesday. Actually, I go to. Do you, do you know Ben Howard, like folk English folk singer songwriter? I'm aware of him. Yeah, uh, I'm going to see him next Thursday. Yeah. So that was a birthday present from my wife. It was my birthday on Tuesday as well. So. Wow. Happy birthday. Um. So yes. So that'll be obviously. We're, again, we've got a drive to Madrid for that. That's a five-hour drive. And then the day after I get back, we've got a gig in Cadiz, which is another five-hour drive so it's a lot of driving around <laughs> but it's yeah it's pretty busy yeah when does the peak of wedding season die down i guess that's september time um yeah you know what it's it's weird because august is usually pretty quiet a lot of the wedding planners take august off just because it's too hot and people think um oh yeah we'll, we'll come at the hottest time and, and because they're coming from either ireland or the uk it's like Think about this. You're going to be wearing a suit and the bride's in a big ass dress. Oh, no. Like, you don't want to be in pushing, like, I mean, sometimes it can be like 45 degrees Celsius in, in August and it's just, it's just uncomfortable. The wedding planners will say to the couples, like, you're mad if you, if you even consider it. But then some of them will, like, do it anyway. But so usually we'll get, May will be the start of it. Actually, this year I had, I've had a couple in April, which is, early yeah uh, usually may will be the start of it it'll be like maybe one a week or a couple one week you might have a couple and then june and july are really busy august will kind of drop off a bit september's generally very busy and then october there'll be uh maybe you know four or five and that'll be it but it's yeah it's it soon comes back around again as well you get to the tail end of the summer and you think oh yeah great we can we can relax a little bit and then it's like on you again as you were saying, that you're booked up till 2025. So it's better to be booked up this far in advance rather than not. The Yeah, you kind of, the good thing is you know what work you've got. So financially, fi- financially you know where you're at with, with stuff. Um, and also if people don't book that far in advance, they're, um, they're risking me being booked by somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So the earlier the better for me. I, I think that it's uh, yeah, it makes more sense for them to be on the ball and yeah. and get it booked yeah. um, than to leave it. Like I, I get inquiries 
sometimes saying, oh, can you play in three weeks' time? And I'm like, you're joking. Like, I haven't got a Friday, Saturday or Sunday available now until like August probably. They're just all taken up. Yeah, like, I follow a, so she's a singer based up north somewhere. And she was saying how she is literally booked August 2026 right now, which is genuinely mad. But then again, some of the wedding venues she plays or nice venues, I'll give her that. Yeah. Some of them are spectacular. And obviously, if you're going to uh, splash out on a um, venue, it's going to be for your wedding day. And um, some, of the, some of the ones in Marbella are nuts. Some of the ones in Marbella are, are just... But the, the money there is insane. Like, I feel so out of place down there, really. Like, when I'm, when I'm playing at, like, the gig that I've got tomorrow, for example, when I'm playing down that way, I just feel so out of place because they've got a different... Um, they've got a different m- mentality, a different outlook on on things. And, the I mean, the ones that are driving around in Lambos and Ferraris, they're so young as well. Yeah. It's like, you're looking at them and you're like, like, how is that even a thing? <laughs> But then the the ways we were talking about it before the ways of making money online these days are, ju- are just uh, and you know you don't really need the, the the obviously some of them have probably got backing by their parents. Well, some of them probably do. Any parent lending their kid, any parent lending their kid their Ferrari, by the way, is an idiot. I was driving home yesterday, and for some weird reason, there was a Tesla, a white Tesla, driving around with a learner sticker on the front. And I'm like, the last thing I would ever do is let my kids learn to drive in a Tesla. Not good. So the final thing I want to ask you is with the name of this little thing called Reaching the Crescendo. Now, obviously, different people have their own different crescendos, whether or not they make a living off of music, which you are doing now. So I guess, what's your personal crescendo in what you want to be doing or what you want to strive for going forward, the sort of stuff you want to be doing? It's a pretty good question, actually. And um, I, I kind of, um, uh, without without being too disappointing, I kind of don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weird, like, I was... Um, I was 35 on Tuesday and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I I like where I'm at. I like the control that I've got over my life. And uh, I just think that it may be, maybe streamline it a little bit more and trim off the stuff that's unnecessary because I'm trying to do, as I said before, I'm trying to do real estate video. I'm trying to do the solo thing, the band thing. I've got all these ideas going on in my head. Yeah, yeah. And I'd rather just focus in on one thing and then push the push the hobbies to one side and keep them as that, keep them as hobbies. Um, so I guess I'm fully aware of the fact that as a, a, a wedding singer, um, there's going to come a point where I'm out of touch with what the people getting married want because there's going to be that age gap there. So I've sort of considered for a while doing like um, some kind of entertainment agency where I I have other bands on my books and people can come to me and say, right, we want this, 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 and this. And I sort everything out. One point of contact yeah. to sort the whole the whole thing. And then I pay everybody their little bit and, and whatever. And obviously I can keep doing the YouTube thing on the side of that because you, you're never too old to do that. And that's that's the nice thing about it. Um, assuming that YouTube stays relevant because uh, things move, don't they? And, and uh, I can't really see YouTube going anywhere. 
Um, I think there's too many people rely on it nowadays, and yeah. there's there's brands that are even though YouTube's a thing and most people watch YouTube, it doesn't mean that TV died. It still exists. It's just in a different way. It's moved to more people. More people are like paying Netflix rather than the BBC or whatever. I, to answer your questions, um, sort of more simply, I would love for the YouTube thing to grow to a point where I could earn enough out of it so that all the other stuff that I do, I can be really choosy with it. So the gigs that I'm doing, I can be really choosy with them and not have to do the ones that I don't really want to do. Um, and then I can focus more in on the YouTube thing, which I, I just, I really enjoy it. One of the things that I enjoy the most about it is I don't have to deal with clients with it. I, it's literally just me, a camera, and I do the thing and I post it and it's, I can respond to comments if I want to. If I don't, nobody's that bothered really. Um Obviously, there's a nice community bit to it and all that, but it is, um, it's good fun and I'm still enjoying it, which is weird for me because I get bored of things really quickly. Do you have an idea of how many subscribers you'd want to see by the end of this calendar year or does that not really interest you? As long as there's growth, I think it's, it's fine. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing it for the numbers. I, I don't really, I'm not like constantly looking at it. But um, and and from a revenue point of view, it's more about views than subscribers. Anyway, I would like uh, it would be nice if more people who watch my videos would subscribe because, um, again, going back to YouTube Studio app, uh, yeah, I um, so my I don't even know I don't even know how you look actually. So this might not work, but uh, audience, I think it's in audience, so. Uh, yeah, so m the watch time, 10.4% um, of my views come from subscribers. 89.6% are not subscribed. So so most people find my videos because they search for whatever I'm posting or I get suggested or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, top cities. Tweed Heads, where the hell is that? Where's Tweed Heads? I've never heard of that. My my top My top city is London anyway then Tweed Heads randomly, then Sydney, Melbourne, and Dublin. I reckon Tweed Heads has got to be somewhere in the States, you know, because my, my, my top country is the United States. But yeah, yeah, I think, I, I don't know, by the end of this year, um, it, even if we'd surpassed 12,000, I'd be happy. And that's we're only like 400 off that, so it should be, that should happen. But yeah, as long as it keeps growing. Yeah, I guess YouTube is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, on that note, Lee, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. I guess for the first time, properly. <laughs> I suppose you should now explain to everybody who doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, me and Lee uh, had a chat, a very similar but shorter chat last year on, on a different thing I was doing at the time. Let's just say emails change a lot. Let's put it that way. But anyway, but thanks for agreeing to do this. Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a pleasure, and it's been a good old chunk of time, which is always nice. And I will let you go and get you up nursery. Uh, yeah, it's all good. She goes she goes on the on the moped now, so I I don't even have to take the car. Oh, yeah. lucky her! <laughs> I've wanted a moped for years. Oh yeah, because my brother he's always been a moped man, and my mum was like, if you ever buy a moped or a motorbike, I will burn it, and if you then buy another one, I will burn it again. So it's one of those things. You have to in Spain. Everyone has one.
Okay. Yeah. You just have to have one here. They're like, everyone's got them. The weather's so good. Anyway, Lee, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Very much so. And I hope that the wedding season goes great. And this rate, we'll be having a, well, it seems to be a yearly chat anyway as to how life is going. So I will see you next year. <laughs> yeah. If you ever find yourself in Spain, we'll do it in person. Okay. So potentially next year, we'll see if we can do it in person. We'll see if we can do in person or maybe do a club or a duet or something. That would be cool. Hopefully I'll be in my new studio so we can do it an in-person chat. I'll enjoy that. But no, that's cool. Really? Oh, yeah. I will see you next year. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs>